Unitas gives to Amici. The Colts are the world champions. Amici scores. That's amazing. Sensational. Dramatic. Heart-rending. Exciting. Thrilling finish in the history of college football. California has won the big game. Go crazy, folks. This is Phil Steele. This is Mike Burnham. This is Westerl. This is Mike Ashley. Woo, mercy, this is handsome Jimmy Vane, the Boogie Woogie Man. Hey, guys, I'm ESPN's Marty Smith, and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to rock? Okay, let's do it. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. 101.7, 103.5, and 1460. Simulcasting on 710 WFNR. Streaming online at WRADradio.com and the TuneIn app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline. 540-639-4900. Now your host, Rick Watson. Rick Watson. Today, my goodness gracious, on a second day of the work week. Look at him go, look at him kick. Makes you wonder how the other half lives. Mike Burnup joins us at the top of hour two. Then Jermaine Farrell will follow him. David Smith, the Radford Hall of Famer, talks some NFL to lead off the power hour. Then Virginia Tech head women's basketball coach Kenny Brooks. But as always, you can call up the Baker Team hotline at 639-4900, the text line 744-2990. Rick, capital R at New River Radio. Little in excess this morning. Michael Hutchins, rest in peace. Good band. It's hard to believe we need a place called hell. Place called hell. The song was in the 80s. I think NXS was a little ahead of the curve, saying, why do we need hell? We have Earth. All I know is I just heard the weather guy, by the way. That was, I think it's, is it Brent Watts this morning? Hang on just a second here. Fix this thing. I think it was Brent Watts this morning. There we go. All right. Um, 
soaring. Here's the best phrase I've ever heard in February. Talking about Thursday's weather. If I'm not mistaken, I just heard weather guy go, we will be soaring in the 70s on Thursday. Hey, hey, snow people. It's <laughs> oh, great. It's great. Oh, no, Leo Hirschwater. He, he may take a trip somewhere to where he thinks it might be snowing. He won't be able to handle that. 70s in February. Oh, my God. But in any event, yes, have some. We love it. How can you not? Now, I say all this knowing that the winter people are going to have their revenge probably in March. That's usually what happens if we get through the end of February without any measurable snow, which we have so far. I know that we're probably going to get hit with a big one or two in March. Hopefully, if that happens, it's mid to later March, so then it'll melt off pretty quickly with warmer days as we get uh, closer to springtime. But, you know, I had a discussion with a friend of mine who's all about snow and skiing. And I said, look, you've always used the argument that we need the snow because of the moisture and Da-da-da. But you know what? We've had plenty of rain. We had rain all evening last night. It rained hard up in Reiner. We've got plenty of rain. We've had plenty of water. It's not as if we're drying out this winter. So now you can't use that, the snow melt, as an excuse because I think the ground's been pretty saturated throughout the winter. Let's just chalk this one up. Heat Miser has won. Once again, we gave you an accurate report. The Groundhog Day, three for three. This time, of course, it was Jim from Smithfield who did the walk for us on his own. (laughs) Whether it be Logan, Neil, or Jim from Smithfield, we've told you, less weeks of winter. And so far, that seems to be right on the money. Also, on top of all of our guests today, we do have two pair of tickets for the big game tonight, Tech in Miami on the hardwood. I'm guessing it might sell out. I don't know. I haven't heard that, but it could. Um, By the way, on it again. Yesterday on this program, I said I wouldn't be surprised to see Tech be a two- or three-point favorite Guess what? They're two-point favorites. <laughs> I mean, and people might go, whoa, how's that happening? Miami's number 13 in the country. Because, as I've also told you, the toughest thing to do in collegiate sports is to win road conference games. And in The ACC doesn't have a knockout blow type of team. Maybe Virginia, when they're playing good offense to go with their defense but Miami they are what they are they're a high scoring team as those guards go they will go it's going to be a terrific matchup of Miami's guards and Virginia Tech's guards first time down in Coral Gables it was a high scoring affair what Tech score 83 points you score 83 points on the road you should win 
And you know Mike Young is going to challenge that defense against this team. Tech has to take care of business at home, especially against a ranked team. And they are favored for a reason. That game's on the U tonight. Oh boy, that'll be some quality broadcasting. But anyway, you have that, and you've got Georgia Tech and Pitt, the other ACC games. You have total contrast of uh, interesting matchups, right? Miami, Virginia Tech, and then Georgia Tech and Pitt. Although Georgia Tech, you know, beat Virginia Tech, so there you go. Um, Waking up this morning, looking at the net rankings. Tech at 63 in the net. They're at 70 in Ken Palm. But again, tonight would help, but it's not going to be enough for them. They still have to win out, and then they have to win at Duke clearly to win out. And then I believe they're going to have to win the tournament. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what people say. We'll see what Lenardi has when he gets asked about certain teams. But it seems like the losses to BC at home and then Georgia Tech on the road really kind of squashed any kind of at-large talk. Had a great comment here from uh, the athletic director at Texas, by the way. Chris Del Conte said this about Texas football not having alternate uniforms. There's been proposal that Texas should wear the black uniform. Well, here we go. Of course, we know no program loves its black uniform more than Virginia Tech. But it says, if God wanted multicolored sunsets, he'd have made them purple and green, but he didn't. They're burnt orange. It doesn't mean it's old. It's not stuffy. We're Texas. We're burnt orange. It's the best. Enough said. Kind of like what Alabama has said. You don't need to do all that to your uniform. I'm just, just saying. It just, it, you know. Just saying. Don't understand it. Never will. I know it's a losing argument. I know it's not going to go anywhere. But I am uniform police. Aaron McFarling said so. So I got to stand by it. Stand by your convictions, even though it may not be a winning battle. But in any event, I did, uh, I did get a chuckle out of that comment. You want to know one of the 70,237,000 things that's wrong with ESPN? If you go to their their webpage, we talk about them only covering things of their self-interest, right? They're not really truly a sports entity anymore. Haven't been for, oh, Lord, over a decade or so. Ever since Disney got involved, whenever the hell that happened. And we all see what's happening to Disney. Keep throwing those politics at us, boys. Um... They have, let's see, seven, eight stories up on their top headlines. Six of them have to do with the NBA. Six. Six of the eight. I mean, really? Really? We talk about self-awareness, and when you're covering something from a sporting perspective, you just coming off the All-Star break, the All-Star game widely criticized, even by the head coach of one of the teams, many of the players. You had players getting up in press conferences saying, we're tired of players not playing. I don't understand how players throughout. I mean, the league has a major problem going on. But this league and their biggest contract and the thing that they're trying to promote for whatever sundry of reasons they might be doing it, I mean, 
why they would think that having that many stories about one league, a league that, you know what, I guarantee if I took a poll of our local listeners, how many of you care about the NBA and follow it like we all used to, I'd be willing to guess it's probably one in four, maybe, of you, right? I mean, the three-point shot has come in to just dominate the game. Very little defense is played, even in the regular season, much less at this horrible All-Star game. Did the playoffs salvage it? Is that enough to salvage it? Is Marva alluded to yesterday I don't I don't know I don't know by the time we get to the playoffs we're invested enough to care because again it comes back to the thing that I've said even back going through the first run of the show we're fans all of us are fans that's why you listen that's why I do this all we want is for the athletes coaches owners whoever we're pulling for all we want is for them to care about the sport And they're not necessarily going to care about it like we do because their lives are changed because of the money, because of the fame. We just want, we just wanted them to show that they really do take pride in their craft. And unfortunately, the lowest popularity of the four major sports in this country by far, television ratings dictated, is hockey, the National Hockey League. Now I'm I'm a huge hockey guy. I always have been. My dad was. And we would drive around to certain places. I'd travel with him, and I got to see uh, several hockey games. And it was a lot of fun. What you know, um, went up to Canada with him one year. And we, we he was a Montreal Canadiens fan. We watched a game. I mean, it was great. It was great memories. And I love hockey. And I don't. You know, a lot of you don't. I understand. You know, we don't skate. We're not running around on skates. It's, it's maybe unrelatable for a lot of people, but. I don't believe there are any professional athletes who care more about their sport than hockey players. And I think it shows. Those guys get their teeth knocked out in the middle of a game. They get slashed by a blade in the middle of a game or a puck might hit them. If they're not concussed, they're going to get sewed up and they're coming back on. Right? They're not sitting out. I haven't heard one story about hockey load management because they play an 82-game schedule too, and it's a much more physically tasking sport than the National Basketball Association. Just show us you care. And NBA players don't do that through the bulk of the regular season, and then we're supposed to all of a sudden turn it on again as fans in the playoffs. And like I said, it's a commissioner's problem. Adam Silver's a horrible commissioner. All he does is cater to politics, pressure from the outside, and the players. He doesn't do anything that's right for the game. Letting players ask out of contracts – Demand to be traded. I mean, the league doesn't relate. And if there are those of you that love the league, that's fine. I want to love the league because I used to. As a matter of fact, I go back along with the NFL. The NBA was probably the sport when I was younger that I really got into. If you get back into the late 70s, early 80s, I mean, obviously you come up and you grow up with Magic and Bird and all that. The league was this wonderful world of wow. And here comes this Jordan guy, Celtics-Lakers rivalry. 
And all of a sudden, you had athletes that were bigger than life literally leaping off of your television screen. Great marketing. David Stern got it. Adam Silver doesn't. And now, the appreciation of the game is all we want. And I don't think those guys, for the most part, not all, because some are rising up and saying, well, we don't like this. I don't think there's an appreciation of the game. That's all we want. That's all we want as fans. Care about it. Just show us you care. And now we have this other thing that I have to get into because it affects my baseball team, and I want to get your take on it. We'll probably get into this after the news. We've got a lot of show coming up today. I'm giving away tickets for Miami and Virginia Tech basketball. I have two pair. If you want them, call me up now, 639-4900. The game is tonight at the Castle. 639-4900. And the tickets are yours. We'll just give them away today because I'm in a good mood and we've got a busy show later. So stay with us. Just getting started for another day. We'll be back. Talking Highlanders, they're talking Hokies. What the heck are you even talking about? If it's local sports you seek, look no further, you found it. Don't you know? Talking about More BDST next on the WRAD Talk Network. This is Mike Leach. You're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Rest in peace, Coach. All right, it's uh, 28 minutes past the hour. News is coming up in just a little bit. All right, the other thing I'm going to get into, I'll kind of preview it a little bit here. As a lifelong San Diego Padres fan, a long-suffering San Diego Padres fan, for years, there were a couple of three owners that came through and talked about, and this happens in a lot of uh, Major League Baseball, the small market versus the big market argument has come through in baseball more than any other sport over the years. And for years, there were people there in San Diego who looked at the small market and said, look, there's just no way we can compete. There's absolutely no way that we can spend money. How in the world are we going to be like the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Cubs or the Dodgers or the Giants or St. Louis, whomever? And you know, it's the have and the have-nots, right? Well, Peter Seidler is the owner of the Padres now, and they have spent a lot of money on big contracts. They just signed um, Xander Bogarts to a big deal. The Padres have dealt out some big, big deals. And they have spent a lot of money to put themselves in contention. I don't know, you know, money and having good players doesn't mean you're going to win championships, but they are in contention going into 2023. And as a Padres lifer, I'm excited. But yet everywhere you look, I'm seeing articles written either by baseball <coughs> writers, end quote, or comments that are being forwarded from other owners uh, from the you know similar types of markets in theory. And even Rob Manford, the worst commissioner in professional sports, basically criticizing the Padres and what they're doing. And I want to get into that a little bit, because when you talk about showing that you care about your franchise as a fan and what you want to see, it's not just relegated to 
the players or the coaches, it's something you want to see from ownership. Gentlemen who are already billionaires, how much do you put back into your organization to make your fans feel like you want to win for them? Well, it's happening in San Diego. But yet, criticism's being levied all over. And I guess I want to get your take, especially if you're a fan of a small market team. We'll talk about it when we come back. Mike Burnup, Jermaine Farrell, David Smith, Kenny Brooks today on a loaded BDST. Jack Youngblood here, and you're listening to The Big Dog on Sports Talk. No, we're not. (laughs) Take two. (laughs) Jack Youngblood here. You're listening to The Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Ah, the night with the Hall of Famers. (laughs) You know, it's rare you can pinpoint one or two days in your life that are literally the best days you've ever had. That was one of them. Hey! Blacksburg, guys, you want to go hang out with us? Uh, yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> 639 that's the Baker Team hotline. Text line's open, 744-2990. Let's go through the list here. We had uh, Jack Youngblood, Ted Hendricks, was in that group. Uh, Carl Eller, who was being inducted that year, the former just terrific defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings. This wasn't, you know, the Elway Barry Sanders group. Um, But uh, it was those three individuals. Mel Renfro, the Hall of Famer from the Dallas Cowboys, was there with us that night. Matt Blair was there. Now, Matt Blair, who's unfortunately no longer with us as well, not a uh, Hall of Famer, but he was there supporting his good friend Carl Eller. There were a lot of Vikings folks there. It was awesome. Um, my goodness gracious, Stan Jones was it, was it was just, I mean, Gail Sayers. I mean, it, you just sit there. You're just sitting there. All right, I mentioned this going out of the break. And by the way, we've given away two pairs of our Tech men's basketball tickets for tonight. We have one pair left, so we'll do that here coming up. Mike Burnup, Jermaine Farrell, David Smith, and then Virginia Tech women's basketball coach Kenny Brooks. Looking forward to that. That's the uh, final interview of the day. Got a lot going on today here on the program. Because that's what we do. All right. Talking about just caring or showing that your organization or that your sport cares. NBA, I don't think, cares. I don't think the players really care until the paychecks come and maybe they try to cash in during the playoffs. Not all of them. I know it's a sweeping statement, but I think the majority, and I've already gotten a bunch of text messages I put out earlier. I said, I bet only one in four people really care and follow the NBA today. And I'm getting people saying, you know, I haven't watched the NBA for a number of years. I try to. I want to. But I can't. Don't like the brand of basketball. I've gotten four text messages. They say they don't like the brand of basketball. It's not the game that they were raised to watch or the game that they played. I get it. I know. I know. But, again, and and my fanship of my Padres and all my teams really um, 
unmatched and loyal through a fault, to a fault. And now my team, after all these years and floundering in what we were being told was just a small market rut and there was no way to compete, are amongst the haves. They're no longer amongst the have-nots. Now, people are going to say, well, what changed? A couple things changed. One of the things that changed was this. The Chargers left. Chargers went to L.A. That created a lot of anger. The Padres are the only game in town there in terms of a professional franchise. I have not been there since they became the only game in town. I've been to Pet Cub and to San Diego seven times. They're some of the best fans in baseball. You have the cultural exchange, which is wonderful, because you're right there next to the border of Mexico. And a lot of those fans have made their way to the States down there. It's a, it's a fun mismatch. I don't know how to describe it other than it's the ultimate dream of the melting pot. You go some places in this country and you get a bunch of slack. Now, things may have changed given how the world is, right? And every day is kind of a crapshoot. But <laughs> folks that you would never think you have anything in common with and you're from a totally different part of the world and everything that you were raised on is totally different Yet you sit in that ballpark with someone and nobody cares. They look and see your hat and you're high-fiving, you're hugging, whatever it may be because your team's doing well. Great, great fans. And so the Chargers left. But the biggest reason the Padres are amongst the haves is because of Peter Seidler, the owner, who took over ownership a few years ago and He's a billionaire, okay? He's a multi-billionaire. And he spends a lot of money on his investment. A lot of money. Which means going out and signing Manny Machado five years ago. Which started the whole train of rolling out there. Signing some of these deals that he has done. Being able to get Xander Bogarts. The trades that they have made through the organization. They just signed you Darvish to an extension. Again, none of this is going to mean they're going to win a championship. It just means now when you mention the Yankees and you mention the Red Sox and you mention the Cardinals and you mention the Mets and you mention the Dodgers and whomever else you want to throw in there, you have to throw in San Diego because of where they are. And I'm going to say this because – I was one that was told growing up we were never going to be competitive because of San Diego's market size. And I'm sure you're hearing that now as a baseball fan. I mean, the Orioles owner made some embarrassing comments over the weekend about Baltimore. Angelos Jr. or whatever he is, the third. He clearly doesn't get it. But here's the myth. The myth is that you're in a small market. And you can't compete. How in the world can we keep up with revenues? Well, the revenues are split. The TV revenue, the media rights revenues, all those things are split evenly amongst the clubs. Nobody gets more because you're in New York or you happen to be in Pittsburgh or Kansas City. And there's more money filtering through baseball. We talk about the NFL being a 20 to $25 billion annual net profit business. Well, 
Baseball's a billion, multi-billions dollar net profit business, too. Angelos keeps saying, I'm going to open the books and show you. Well, we're still waiting on that. Well, yeah, why don't you do that? Tell you what, why don't you let an independent accountant come and do the books and let them show us instead of what you're going to show us, if you ever do. But what this is, is a situation that has occurred, and these are great cities. Pittsburgh's one of my favorite cities to go to, whether it's to watch a sporting event or just hang out. Usually, I matter of fact, every time I've been there, it's either for a Padres game or traveling with Raptor basketball. I don't think I've ever been to Pittsburgh just for fun. But it's a great city. Kansas City is a great city. By the way, there's a football team there that just won the Super Bowl. Kansas City. The Chiefs, right? Okay. They won two of them in recent years. Same market as the Royals. These other owners, they don't want to spend the money. And it's what I had to learn. All the years I was told from these owners that came before Seidler out in San Diego, well, we just don't have the money. We can't compete. Why would free agents come here? Um, well, for one thing, you're in the country's most perfect environment, weather-wise. You're right there by the beach. You have a brand-new-ish state-of-the-art ballpark. And you're right, Wayne. Petco is an amazing place. Who doesn't want to wake up to... 60-degree temperatures, and then throughout the day, we may get in the 80s, but there's no humidity. But on the average, the median, it's going to be about 72 to 77 degrees. Oh, darn. That sounds terrible. (laughs) Not nothing to do in San Diego either. Oh, wait. It's bustling. It's a huge city. There's, There's always something to do. There's a lot of reasons why free agents would go to a place like San Diego. And a lot of it does begin with money and the willingness to get a star there. And once you get your first one there, the rest will come. And that's what happens. But yet, every time the Padres do something to show that they're trying to win, right? I see more criticism being levied at them. The latest of which coming by the commissioner himself who you would think would sit there and laud any ownership from a, quote, small market team for spending money and trying to win. No, instead he said, hey, I know that uh, Peter Seidler spent a lot of money, a lot of it his own money. I just don't know if that's something that's going to be sustainable. We'll see. That's all they got from the so-called commissioner of the league. So basically, either we've been so inundated and watered down with, oh, only the Yankees or the Mets or the Dodgers or the Red Sox or Chicago can spend that kind of money. What are we doing with San Diego? The only thing that, the only time money can be spent is if it's one of the big boys. The Yankees can spend money. That's fine. But we don't want the Padres to do it. Nobody spent more money to win World Series in the 90s and early 2000s than the New York Yankees. And although there were lots of complaints coming from the have-nots, I didn't see anyone around baseball criticizing those cities, what the Mets have done, Stephen Cohen, but yet it seems like the Padres are being criticized. And I don't understand why, when you have an owner that is a billionaire multiple times, it's not hurting him. (laughs) 
If he needs to sign Mar- uh, if he needs to sign uh, Juan Soto to a $450 million extension and they go over the threshold, so be it. They'll make that money up. They just had a fan fest out there that raised I don't know how much money because these are you know these baseball organizations understand they are individual businesses right they have money locked in that they get that they share with everybody else in Major League Baseball but you can go out and raise some money you can go out and do things to create more money in the coffer whether that's your concessions whether that's your meet the team events whatever it might be and they just had one out there. And there were half a million people out there. It was crazy. Money flowing in hand over fist. And that's because you have an owner that has a keen business sense. But yet, he and my baseball team are being heavily criticized. And I don't understand the double standard through it all. I really don't. If the Yankees were spending this kind of money, which they have and they will, and they'll do it again, why is it okay for them and not okay for a team that traditionally has not? Is it just something that we're not used to? Is that message not important, what they're sending their fans? We're all in. The Padres are all in in 2023. They got got there to the NLCS last year, came up a little bit short against the Phillies. But if I'm the commissioner, I'm not standing up there going, well, we'll have to wait and see. I'm not real sure about this. Because what kind of message are you sending the other teams? Now, I don't know if these other teams are just tanking or if they're just looking at it as bringing in this money that they're getting, the revenue they get from TV deals, social media, the streaming deals. You name it. There's so many different avenues of cash flowing into these organizations that we don't hear about. A lot. A whole lot. And if you're not willing to spend, then you are an owner who's just trying to make even more money. That's all you are. That's all you are. And that's not the fans' fault, right? I mean, it's not. And I understand. Like The Padres are now looked at as being a favorite. They're looked at as being someone who's going to be scrutinized. I'm here for it. It beats the other side of it when you were trading away superstars because, yeah, we have no shot to sign them as a free agent. Why do we even try? Wouldn't you rather have that as a fan and owner going for it? Even if you come up short, at least they tried. Then just continually be told that, well, we can't compete. Sure you can. Oakland A's have finally sold out their new ownership, gave away all their players. They're not trying to win. doesn't seem that way, but this was a perennial contender. How many World Series and playoffs were they in? That's not a big market. Texas Rangers just had a maybe the best offseason of any team because finally you have ownership down there who for years we were told the Rangers in Texas, I mean, good Lord, they can't compete. Come on. Well, now the Rangers might be favorites in the American League. One of. Houston Astros. You just have to have ownership with a vision. 
that wants to win. Winning has to be more important than just net profits. And I think that's where in the NBA we see with the players, as this this, uh, discussion comes full circle before the break, I just get the sense that most fans, especially the ones that sent me a text line message this morning, feel the same way I do. I don't get the impression that many of these NBA players really care about the game. And I think it shows through with things like All-Star Weekend. It shows through with load management, saying that you need 10 to 12 games off. When I see hockey players taking a puck in the throat and having their teeth knocked out, and then they're back out there for the third period. It's not a good look for the league, and Adam Silver just allows it to happen. All those basketball shoes imprints are just all over the face and chest of Adam Silver, and he just kind of smiles and nods and goes on. I don't think we want that as fans. Matter of fact, I know we don't want that as fans. We want to see that you care. And maybe that's why college athletics for a lot of you is still, despite warts and all with the NIL and with the the portal, why you turn to that more than pro sports. Because you want coaches and players that care. And that's why people are having a hard time adjusting because now all of a sudden you're equating this to free agency and getting paid. So you now there's a deep fear, I think, when people say they don't like all this, and I get why. I'm one of them that don't really like where it's headed. It's not going to stop, so you have to kind of accept it. But you're kind of thinking, well, now they're going to end up evolving just like the pros. We don't want to see that. Maybe there's a fear there that now your collegiate sports are going to become so much like the pros. <laughs> there's not going to be any fine line anymore between the two. It's just all going to be the same. And I don't know if that'll be the case or not. Maybe it will be. It seems that way now with certain uh, student athletes, prospective student athletes who are holding some of these schools hostage for the kind of NIL they're going to get. But I think we just want to see people that care, right? That's all we want. I mean, I really don't care at all the criticisms being levied at the Padres. I, whatever. Couldn't give a damn. Other people's opinions like that, they don't matter to me at all. You're going, to, you're going to do that or you're going to win 60, 70 games. If baseball wanted to fix it, they would penalize teams who didn't win a certain amount of games or at least did something, right, to make it feel like they care. I'm glad my owner of my team and my organization, my fan, great fans, by the way, they're underrated fans, then I would much rather see this side of it than the other, knowing that it doesn't guarantee a championship, right? But it does guarantee that you have a shot to have a good season to play yourself into the postseason and see what happens, as, which is what happened last year, the last two years. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We're wrapping up Hour 1. I have one pair of tickets left for the Tech Miami game. If you want them, call me up now, 639-4900 during the break, because we're very busy from hours two and three. We'll be back. Miss something? Oh, you missed that? Well, here it is. Listen to Big Dog Sports Talk anytime. Yeah, we missed you so much. Available wherever you get your podcasts. BDSD will return in a moment on WRAD.
knew it was coming. There it is, the news hit. Hour two coming up. Mike Burnup leads it off. We'll segue into Jermaine Farrell, David Smith, and then Kenny Brooks, the head women's basketball coach at Virginia Tech. A lot going on on a Tuesday. Text line's open, 744-2990. Mike is next after the news.